Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Thanks again to Carbon Health for being our presenting sponsor. If you are a regular here, you know I've talked about Carbon Health and how long I've talked about Carbon Health and why I love Carbon Health. They help with things like COVID, cold, flu testing, antibiotic prescriptions for things like infections, UTIs, STDs. They have primary care services in California and Massachusetts. But if you're new here, thank you, by the way, for stopping by. You should also know that they can help with injuries as well. Most of their locations have imaging or x-ray machines so they can diagnose strains, sprains, and fractures if you unfortunately become injured. And I know, unfortunately, not everyone will be near one of the 120-plus locations But they do have virtual urgent care services for states like California, New York, Florida, and several others. So thank you to Carbon Health. Really, really happy to be working with them. Check out the link in the description. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Big Thing. That's right. We're back. Well, I guess to some people, like we weren't gone that long. I was on vacation. And I had some great interviews with uh, Freddie Prinze Jr., Catherine McNamara. And that was last week. And I didn't have an episode yesterday. So I'm doing one today, and we got some stuff to talk about, man, some stuff that maybe were stories last week I didn't know about, but I'm going to talk about them now. And two of the big ones is it looks like one of these stories of uh, where there's smoke, there's fire. It looks like Superman might be cast or getting close to a favorite with uh, uh, James Gunn's DCU Superman movie. We'll talk about that. And speaking of highly anticipated movies, shows, you got Ahsoka in the Star Wars universe, and it seems like if you believe the the leak, that Dave Filoni has found the title to the movie that he's uh, that he's moving on from from Ahsoka and Mandalorian and the Filoni verse. So it looks like we have that that title, maybe, perhaps, or maybe it's BS. That's also possible. Guardians of the Galaxy. Took a little bit of a drop, but still doing pretty well. Mario crossed a billion, I think. Um, and a few other stories. Mission Impossible's getting their trailer tomorrow. And we're pumped to talk about all of it. All right. So with all that said, let's get into it, man. It's the big thing. It's me and you. And make sure, if you haven't already checked this all out on Spotify, please do that. Check us out on Spotify. It's very, very important. We're on video. So if you want to check that out, you can do that there. Get yourself a Big Thing t-shirt. Sith Council, Capes and Cows, all that and more. But let's talk about this stuff, guys. It's me and you. Let's do the show. You ready? All right, good. I'm ready, too. Let's do it. Welcome back, everybody. Excited to be back. In studio with you. Steph and Mike will be back on the show for Big Thing Sith tomorrow. Roxy and Brett back in on Thursday. Winston and Coy back in on Friday. So the crew is back. And we're excited to uh, to do it. I needed a little bit of a vacation. I was in Mexico, Cancun, with the family. Um, brother got married, so congratulations to my brother and his lovely wife. And we did some speeches, and my, my, my daughter was the one who stole the show. Ellis officiated it and um, the, the wedding itself, and then we, I, I gave a speech, but my daughter crushed it. Natural timing. It's really great to see. But that and more. So I got a little bit of a relaxation, kind of. When you're traveling with kids, it's, it's, it's never really relaxation. I think I relaxed for like two minutes, if I'm telling you the truth. In the pool, I was like, okay, good, I'm relaxed. And then I wasn't. You're running around doing a whole bunch of shit with family, but it was fun. Good party last night. Was it last night already? No, it wasn't. No, it was two nights ago. You see, it's all a blur, guys. It's all a blur. But what's not a blur is I was excited to get back to it. Saw people commenting and saying, where's the big thing and all that. And I'm excited to be doing this show. And I'm going to be doing I'm trying to get it uh, the, the show itself up in the mornings. But it doesn't always happen. People ask why it's not always consistently in the mornings. And I'll tell you why. 
on Mondays, if I tape the show on Friday, then I can get the show up on Monday. But I like to do kind of current stories so I know what the hell's going on. So it goes up a little later because I shoot in the morning. Why don't you do live? I don't like doing live anymore. I'm not a big fan of doing live except unless I'm doing it on the live stream. That's why I have the Christian Harloff and Friends channel, and I'll be doing that. But Wednesday we shoot Sith Council in the mornings. So we try to, again, whether it's edited or live to tape, I put it up there, and I try to get it out as fast as I can. Um, the reason why you got a better chance of both the Thursday show and the Friday show going up at 9 a.m. is because we tape them the day before. So it gives me time to edit and get it ready to go. The only time you're not going to have that is if there's a movie um, that hits him, uh, the embargo releases in the morning at that particular time, or there's a trailer reaction or we're covering a show, then that will take priority in the morning. And then you'll get it a couple hours later. So that's kind of how the schedule of this channel works. Um, but the big thing is a heavy focus, and we want to be able to give you guys kind of that long-form podcast that you have been um, that you've been enjoying on the show since we launched this channel, really. And we'll continue to do that. We also have the the, the short form and all that stuff that we're doing, and we're also doing a live show. And here's I'm going to give you now that was all the fun good stuff. Here's the bad news. We got to sell these tickets in New York. I told people, I, I'll be honest with you. People said, hey, come to New York. We're going to come see you if, if you come to New York. So we put a show up for New York, and we put a show up for, um, for Stanford, Connecticut. Um, and I'm going to promote them a little bit more now. But I would suggest if, you, are, if you're coming to the show, get a ticket today because I'm going to reassess because I think that this is what I'm going to do for this. We did well on the L.A. show. We sold about 150 tickets. It was great. Um, New York and Stanford not selling too great. Be honest. Put it out there. New York's doing okay. Stanford not doing well. So I'm going to reassess with my uh, events coordinator this week. And most likely, i got to talk to the club. i got to talk to everybody else and see. And we got to probably move stuff around. Um, this is going to be the last live show we do for a while. And if we wind up doing Stanford, we'll see. i got to talk to the club again. But going to try to maybe maneuver some stuff around. But I don't want to cancel it. I hope it can't. I hope I don't cancel it. So if you want to come see us, don't wait to the last minute. If you get the tickets now, we know you want to be there or not. East Coast peeps, hook it up. Um, but we'll be we'll be doing a lot of like live streaming stuff on the website as well. You know the after party stuff and, and all that. All right, let's uh, let's get into this first story, man. Because this I started to see the kind of the rumblings, and I was so curious. So, 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 so curious. Superman. It's my favorite. My favorite character. And I'm so, so interested, excuse me, to see what's going to happen here. And there's now there's fan art that came out because there's right at the front runner is David Cornsweat. And I hope I was saying it right. I don't know. But he's been really, I think the Hollywood Reporter was the one that broke this. So when it came through that way, people are really starting to say that this is the guy. Over the weekend, and James Gunn, I don't think, has debunked it, and usually he does. Over the weekend, the first contender for the lead role in James Gunn's Superman legacy emerged, and while it's in the early days, the trades that believe that the up-and-comer David Cornsweet is the current frontrunner to take over from Harry Cavill as Man of Steel. The 29-year-old actor has a few film and TV credits to his name, but House of Cards fans will recognize him um, as Carrie, excuse me, Claire Underwood's college sweetheart, Reed, and he recently appeared in... T.U.S. horror prequel Pearl. As, as expected, fan art has now begun to circulate online. And this is what, how it looks. This is the fan art that you saw in the thumbnail, obviously, and then you saw right here. I mean, this guy looks like Henry Cavill, to be honest with you. He looks like Henry Cavill, but he looks like Superman. Henry Cavill looks like Superman, and this guy looks like... This, this is the fan art, obviously. But here's the... This is, this is the guy. I mean, he, this, this guy looks like Superman. He's got that Smallville feel. He's got... The Henry Cavill look to him if he bulks up the way Christopher Reeve did. I think this is a fantastic choice. Gunn took to Twitter shortly after the trade to say he would not comment on who may not audition for Legacy. But we do know that he's planning to see many more actors. Jacob Lorde, Andrew Richardson, um, Rachel Brosnan, Emma Mackey, Phoebe Dwyer, and Samara Weaving are read apparently for Lois Lane. Nicholas Holt is believed to be the only person who's being considered for Lex Luthor. Uh, that would be good casting, too. But this guy, I mean, holy shit, this guy looks like Superman. In this picture, this is great fan art, obviously. But even but even in this one, 
even in this one. I've never heard of this person. Um, and I don't, if, the, if he can act, I say sign him up. I say sign him up if he can act, you know, if it works. Because he looks just like him. This, this, look-wise, great. Gun, if he's comfortable in his, in his um, abilities, and I, I trust that as well, too. He gets good performances out of who he wants. And this dude looks looks like him. And that, that again, fan art can do it. And whether that's a little bit of AI in there, I don't know. Very well could have just been straight up fan art. I don't know. Or it could be AI. I have no clue. Nonetheless, I saw that and I said, holy shit, that's soups. Um, I think it's great. I'm very curious to hear what you guys think, but if this is the guy. And I think that Nicholas Holt to me as Lex Luthor could probably pull it. I, Nicholas Holt to me is gonna be one of the one of the best for in the next in the next 10, 15, 20 years. We're going to see a lot more of him. Everything he does, he's really, really solid. He's really solid. So if they want to, if they're going to make him this younger Lex Luthor type, I, I can see Nicholas Holt pulling off for sure. And and he's well known enough to people. I mean, he's pretty. I mean, he's got that. He's got that thing where, like, I always look at it like my mom or my dad. If you're like, they're going to say who's Nicholas Holt, but I'm like, look at this picture. Oh, that guy. Oh yeah, I know that guy. That he's the oh that guy for a lot of people. If you're in this circle and you and you follow the movie news and you follow this, then you know his name. If you follow the the the, the shows that the show that he's on, um, you know his name. You know, if you're a big X Men fan, you know his name. He and he's he's in um, he's in tons of stuff. But I think that still household name wise, for everybody, the you know, like I said, the same way you, you mentioned a Brad Pitt or something. Yeah, of course, Brad Pitt. I think right now Nicholas Holt is, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that guy. And he'd be great. I think he'd be great as Lex Luthor. So everybody else, when it comes to the, the casting, the reason I think that this guy might actually be it is because James Gunn was quick to shoot down the, any false reports, right? And this one comes out, and he's like, no, nah, I'm not commenting on anybody who might be cast. No, I'm not saying anything. I think they announced this guy at Comic-Con. And then that's the big uh, big reveal. Is that they say, okay, here's our here's our um, here's Superman, and here he comes. So I I think that once again I'm not familiar enough with his work, so there is a part of me that I could wind up watching something that he's in and going, I don't know, that guy's got the thing. But it doesn't mean I mean I but that still wouldn't be completely accurate for me to do or or right for me to do because. I think I go back to when Winston and I were on uh, Claire Live talking about what Roxy and I had said before he was even cast. You know, it would be great. Robert Pattinson is Batman. And Winston's like, I don't know, the Twilight guy? I'm like, don't think about Twilight. Think about the Rover. Think about uh, good times. Think about that stuff. That's what you got to think about. And so one performance does not make the actor or actress. Two performances does not make the actor or actress. It's what they have inside. Can they maneuver? Can they find that role that gets them to that spot? And maybe this is the role for this guy. And this is the way you got to do it. You got to cast the unknown. It's a good move if they're doing it this way. And, and like I said, unknown to most, not to those who watch the, the stuff that they're in. So what do you guys think? Is this guy the guy? Do you think that this is the guy? Do you think that we could see him as Superman? Does it need to bulk up? How tall is he? All that stuff. I don't know. I could look it up, but I'm not going to. It's going to take too much time. Um, but, man, got the look. Look, he's got, And in this particular picture, like I said, he's got, he looks like Cavill. He looks like Cavill there. But he's younger. And that's what, that's what, he, that's what Gunn wanted to go with. So I'm very curious to hear your thoughts. I got to hear it. Am I wrong here to saying, ah, he might look like him? And if he can act, yeah, ah, he's not the guy. Is anybody feeling him? Ah, he's not the guy. I've seen him. He's not the guy. Or do you think that he's, he could be the guy? I want to know. Um, so there you go. There's, the, uh, there's that first story right off the bat. Excited that we, um, we have some potential. Um, we got some news. Got some news here. I like it. Let's move on over to something else that I wanted to get into. Let's stick with James Gunn, and let's stay with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. This is from Dark Horizons. The final actual domestic box office figures 
for the weekend have arrived. And now Marvel Studios Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. It's defying expectations. The film ended up making $62.6 million this weekend, and that beat the original $60.5 million estimates. In fact, as a result, the film's second week drop sits at only 47%. That's a far better drop than the first two Guardians, which both fell 55 in their second weekends. I think that's word of mouth. In fact, it's the second best drop in MCU history, beating only by the first Black Panther, 44.7, and on par with the first Thor, which 47.2. It also marks a reversal of fortune for Marvel, who's seen a lot of most recent MCU films suffer steep drops in their second weekends. Worldwide, the film is now at $539 million and eyes towards the question as to whether the film can pass the, film's, the first film's lifetime gross of $773 million or the second's $863 million. There's a good chance that it will, though the film is about to face off against Fast X and The Little Mermaid. Final box office tally was less rosy this weekend for Robert Rodriguez's $65 million budget. Um, hypnotic, I didn't even know what that was. I'm sorry, I'll be honest with you, which ended up pulling in just $2.35 million. That just, I guess that just shows you the uh, marking on that movie. It's harder to make movies like that. It's harder, to, it's harder to get box office on movies like that. It really is right now. I'm telling you, it's great that the bo- that the theaters are starting to put in more movies that people can see. And we're talking about Guardians here, and it's a Marvel movie, but there are other movies out there that are doing good box office, and people want to see and horror movies and animated films. And, and the box office and the theater is starting to bounce back. But streaming has changed the game of what people are going to go see in the theater. It really is. I was just talking about this. Who the hell was I talking about this with recently? We're talking about Air, and we're just they don't give a shit. That movie, they don't care that 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 movie didn't do that well in the theater. That wasn't the deal. The deal was okay. We'll put it. We'll, let's put it in the theater. Also, our deals with uh, with Amazon, and we're going to put it on Prime. It's like there's no there's no um, mystery as to why that movie is already available on Amazon Prime. It wasn't a day in day in release. It was let's just wait. We'll we'll put it, we'll see how it does in the theater. We made a little extra money on it. Fine, but we'll put it in. We'll put it on Amazon. It's it's, it's an Amazon Prime movie. But we'll get a couple. We'll get some money in the box office for it, and we'll uh, we'll we'll put that towards it. Does well, great. If not, nonetheless. Um. So that's that is uh. There's 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 a couple exceptions when you're doing it that way inside of the deal when you're prepared for it. But there's movies like that just not not delivering on the smaller movies. There's not in the theater. It's harder. But talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, I will tell you that the word of mouth definitely helped that movie and having that kind of drop off because I think people were beaten down a little bit from the Ant-Man Quantumanias and the Thor Love and Thunder and Doctor Strange. And I know people are, some people like the last Doctor Strange, but those three movies, it wasn't as consistent as this one. A lot of people who see this movie in the theater go, the, the third Guardians, that is, are going, this is a really good movie. And it's got a lot of good emotion, and it really plays. Um, so, I think that it's not a surprise that it's that it's doing fairly well. I do agree with their report that with Fast coming out and Little Mermaid coming out, even though different audiences with the, with those movies, it's still it's what are you choosing to see in the box office right now? I think it's going to make it. I don't know if it's going to beat the second Guardians as far as that whatever that eight hundred and thirty or eight hundred forty, whatever the hell it was. Um, I think it's got a shot to beat the first one. I think in in between the seven hundred, maybe topping at eight hundred, it ain't hitting a billion. And that's not going to happen. But it's it's getting it's going to do it's going to close out anywhere between seven hundred and fifty and eight hundred million. If I was to guess, which I guess I just did, um, that's that's what I would say, and that's a, and that's a big win for Marvel. It's like I always I don't know where this new thing came from. People, if they're like, well, it didn't hit a billion, it's a failure. Uh-oh, didn't hit a billion. <laughs> made a lot of money. That's that's a that's a good it's a good number to hit. It it made it made its money. And it's a good it's a good win. And the drop off stuff and all that's good, especially in the summertime with how it works. You gotta you gotta hit quick, otherwise you get that you know, these movies that are coming in and then chomping at the bit. Now I know a lot of people saw Fast X last night, right? Yeah, last night. I was coming back from, from Mexico on um on the flight when the screening was, so I didn't get a chance to see it. But I am going to see it. I'll probably see it on um, either Thursday or Friday. I'm still going to do an out-of-the-theater reaction for it. 
I was having a conversation with this with a, a few people, and I'm, and I'm curious what you guys say. So if you, if you can comment on this particular question, I would appreciate it. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening on audio or Spotify, I understand if you can't. My question is, um, if, if I have an out of the theater on like Thursday or Friday when the movie comes out, does that make it any less watchable for you guys? Or do you, if, if you watch the out of the theater reactions, because it seems to be the thing that people like the most on this channel, uh, are the out of the theater reactions? If I put it out on Thursday or Friday, do you give a shit, or does it have to be earlier, or why bother? I, I, I'm generally curious because my opinion is, if you're watching those out of the theaters, for me, it's like almost like a like the review. So I was like, I don't care if as long as you, if I haven't seen it yet, or maybe even I have seen it, I'm curious to what your opinion is. So yeah, I want to see the out of the theater. If it's earlier, that's great because like it gives me a little bit more time to prepare. Maybe I was going to see it. I wasn't going to see it. I was going to judge on my own, all that stuff, but I want to hear your thoughts on it. So a little earlier is better or it's the same thing. I feel the exact same way, but I, uh, I just saw the movie and now I'm curious to, to see if we, if we line up and we're, uh, we're on the same page. Is that uh, I'm, I'm curious to see if that's, if that's the case for you guys. Uh, let me know. Uh, I'm very curious, but that's the box office at the moment. And, um, and yeah, I'm 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 wondering. You know, it's it's funny. People are going to say you sound a little hoarse. Yeah, with speeches and and all that, and air conditioning in the hotel room, and they got to me a little bit. And I also there was something I was missing while I was there. You know what I was missing? I was missing my athletic greens. I was missing it, guys. I missed my athletic greens, and I love them so much. I love athletic greens. You guys know that I love athletic greens. I use them every day, and I missed out on them, and I paid for it. Because you get better gut health, you get increased energy, you get the immune system report. I'm not a vitamins pills guy. I've just never been. And I take it all the damn time, and I forgot them. And I, and I was upset. Because I don't like the, uh, the, that supplement routine that comes with a bunch of different products. It's just hard to do it because I don't know which ones to take, and it's confusing. When I take Athletic Greens, I knew quick. It's so easy. I put it in a water bottle, I shake it up, and that's it. Why do you want to take a bunch of different things? You just mix one scoop of powder in water once a day, and that's it. And AG1 was designed with ease in mind so you can live healthier and better without having to do it. Do a lot. It's awesome. It's the best. It's, got a, it's also the all-in-one formula that makes it so easy. You mix it up. You shake it up. I'm done. And I just sip on it. It tastes yummy. I always thought it was going to taste like garbage. It doesn't. It looks green. You're like, this isn't going to taste good. It's going to taste like grass. It does not. It's got a fruity taste to it. I like it. AG1, and it's delivered to you every month. Very easy to make it a daily habit. And I love everybody who's been writing me and telling me how much they enjoy it. Please do that. Because if you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash big thing. Athleticgreens.com slash big thing. Check it out. I love it. I love it. And and it's, it's, it's back in my life now since I got back. Um, please let me know, though, when you do sign up. People have been doing this all the time, and I appreciate it because I always forward it over to Athletic Greens, or they tag them. Tag Athletic Greens on Twitter or whatever it is and let me know what you're thinking, if you like it. Helps out the show tremendously. So make sure you do that. Check out Athletic Greens. Uh, let's move to this Filoni story, man. I got to talk about this. All right, this one is from Comic Book Movie, and this is their report. They said, if a new rumor is to be believed, the title of Dave Filoni's Star Wars movie has been revealed, and it's going to make fans of Timothy Zahn and the Expanded Universe very happy. Check it out. I would warn people that if you don't want to know the potential title of the movie, then to bail, but I mean, it's a title. Who cares, right? The Star Wars sequels remain incredibly divisive among fans of the franchise, but the work done by Favreau and Filoni on Disney Plus has received a far warmer response. Taking place roughly five years after the, the events of Return of the Jedi, The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett have explored the earlier days of the New Republic and what became of the Empire after Palpatine and Vader's respective defeats. Ahsoka Tano was introduced in live action. We learned that she was hunting Thrawn. The villainous Grand Admiral who vanished at the end of Star Wars Rebels alongside Ezra Bridger. Since then, the former Jedi has landed her own series, which will see Lars Mikkelsen reprise the role. The expectation 
is that the show will lay the groundwork for Filoni's eventual movie, where Thrawn will be the lead villain. And the title has seemingly been revealed. So once again, if you don't want the spoiler, move on. According to one trusted insider, it is going to be called Star Wars, Heir to the Empire, borrowing that name of the Timothy Zahn novel that first introduced the villain. Thrawn was also referred to as Heir to the Empire in the Ahsoka trailer, so maybe not much of a shocker. Filoni intends to put his own spin on it. It's interesting to ponder what he will borrow from the author's trilogy. If Luke Skywalker is part of it, will Mara Jade and Joris Sabath be far behind? And then there are new characters, Eli Vanto, Arliani. All signs point to Thrawn making a play to rule the Empire. But how that leads to the rise of the First Order and Supreme Leader Snoke remains to be seen. All right. There's a lot here, guys. There's a lot. Now, I happen to think, and there have been rumblings that Filoni himself is not a massive, I shouldn't say massive fan, but doesn't really pay attention to the canon stuff in the, in the books. Like, he's not going to say, well, that Thrawn needs to be like that and, and from, because that's the way the book is in, and we have to follow that canon stuff because it'll, it'll go away from canon. I don't want to disrupt. He doesn't give a shit about that. It, to him, canon is books, I mean, excuse me, animation, um, live action, and the movies. Those are George's, those are connected to George's stuff. At least, you know, a lot of it. And, um, and so that's what he's going to go off of. I think he sees the legend as good cherry-picking stuff. And clearly, he's a, he's a Zahn fan. You know, I think that the, those books, for anybody who's a big Star Wars fan, especially back in the day, that the, the Timothy Zahn, Heir to the Empire trilogy of books, that was what we thought. That was the last of the Star Wars stuff that we thought we were going to get. We didn't think we were going to get any more Star Wars. So... That to a lot of people in, in, in that generation, Filoni included in that generation, that was Star Wars. So I'm sure he read it. I'm sure he was a massive fan of it. He talks about it all the time. Um, now, I'm going to, I don't know if I'm necessarily going to disagree with comic book movie that clearly because if they follow all this, then he's going to take Luke and then he's going to put Mara Jane in it and then he's going to put Joris. I don't know if that's the case. Because if he's going to put his own spin on it and put Thrawn in on it, he could use Ahsoka to serve the role of Luke Skywalker and cherry-pick certain things. And the Ray Stevenson character could be the Joris character. And there could be no Mara Jade necessarily at all. Um, and the Ray Stevenson character and... I guess the other the, the and Arliani could serve as Thrawn's pawns, if you will, playing the role of, of what Mara Jade was. If I was to guess, because unfortunately Star Wars has a predictability um, device that they do, and they redeem everybody all the damn time, and it's never a surprise anymore. And you knew Reva was going to get redeemed. You knew Kylo Ren was going to get redeemed. Arliani is going to wind up turning on, on, uh, on Ray. I'm sure she's going to wind up turning and turning good and helping everybody out. It's just, it's just how it always goes. I hope that I'm wrong, but it just seems like that's what always happens. And they're going to want to redeem. I would assume. I would assume they're going to want to redeem her. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll see. But that being said, it seems as if they might serve that role that we're not going to see. There is going to be no Mara Jade. Um, unless, you know, she pops up in this particular movie, which could also happen. The Luke Skywalker side of it is, is interesting. Very interesting because I happen to think you need Luke in this movie. People are going to say, no, you don't need him. You don't need him at all. And you're saying that from those people who are saying that are saying it from a place of let's get away from Luke. Let's get away from that. Um, aspect you can't get Mark Hamill. I'm not a big fan of the deep fake stuff. I don't think that that works. Sure, and you and you might have a, your your arguments that you feel are valid inside of that, and I think that's that's fine and fair. But my my issue is less about that, and more about the marketing side of it. Um, and I've I've said this a few times. Let's not assume that a everybody's going to watch Ahsoka mainstream fans that you need to get into the theater. You need to get more people into the theater than just the people who are watching 
Ahsoka, and Mandalorian. You need to get more more people into the theater. You need to get the casual viewer into the theater. That's why they're leading with Daisy Ridley for the new movie because they want to get the casual fan who watched those other movies who don't give a shit about what whether or not you think it plays into lore and this and whether it should have been 60s 60 years afterwards and they just want to see a Star Wars movie with lightsabers and and Daisy Ridley they recognize so that's that's it's it's the safe choice there's no safe marketing tool and you always need a safe marketing tool even with even with interesting movies you always need a safe marketing tool to make to make real money um I mean, look, look at Mario. Mario is a safe marketing tool, obviously, because you're doing Super Mario Brothers. It's about as nostalgic as you get. And there's a lot of other just safe things. Um, you need that safe marketing tool, and Luke Skywalker is a safe marketing tool. I'm not telling you to make him, make him the lead. I'm telling you to give him a role. Because if he has a role, and it's like the first kind of main deep fake role, and not just, it's expensive. There's no doubt about it. It's going to be a little more expensive. But that's how you get people into the theater, the casual fan, especially those people who read Heir to the Empire. And that's probably what they're going with. Why, if they do choose this name, why they're going with this name. For those people who read the book who maybe don't um, catch up with all this Star Wars stuff that's going on today, and they're like, oh, they're making an Heir to the Empire movie? Because even though it's going to be different, it has an audience. So... There is a marketing ploy there if they go with this title, which I think makes sense. You go after that audience that knew it, even people who have kind of tuned out and like, oh, wow, they're making an Heir to the Empire movie. Interesting. And Thrawn's in it. So you're getting that audience right away. You're like, yeah, but it's going to be a little different. Is Luke in it? We don't know. Luke's not in it, but it's this character, Ahsoka, that they've been working on. Who the hell is Ahsoka? Well, Luke's going to be in it. But they're leading with this character, Ahsoka. Okay, well, Luke's in it, though. How are they going to do that? So you can get all these different conversations that are going to happen that's very, very possible. But I think titling an heir to the Empire is a really smart move. It's a good marketing move. Um, and whether or not Mara Jade can be in it and all that, and people have been asking for Mara Jade forever. But then you really obviously have to have Luke. You can't have Mara Jade and not have Luke. Um, but I'd love for them to cherry pick a lot of the stuff that Zahn did in that trilogy. I wonder if he's going to do it. He doesn't necessarily have to do any any of that for Ahsoka. He just got to set up that Thrawn's badass inside of it. What do you guys think? Is that a, is that something that you want? Do you think Heir to the Empire is the way to go? Or if he does call it Heir to the Empire, is he too beholden to try to take a lot of those elements from um, from the original trilogy of books? Or does he not have to because he's setting up Thrawn as the heir to the Empire in this new storyline? Can you still take the title? I happen to think you can still take the title. I I would be surprised because of, again, the marketing side of it. I don't necessarily think that they need Luke in it for story purposes, as I've just made a whole case why I do think they need him in the movie for marketing purposes. But I don't think you need him for story because I think you can write around it to where you have, um, you know, you have him do that. Although, as I hear myself say that, I was a big advocate before they announced Luke coming back to um, Mandalorian Season 2, that the only person that really made sense to pick up Grogu or that was out there would be Luke because he's the most powerful Jedi at the moment. If Thrawn comes back in Heir to the Empire, especially if he comes back to, right now they're in the Unknown Regions, wherever the hell they are. If Luke's not in Ahsoka and not around that area, okay, you, you can get away with that. You can get away with that because he doesn't know where the hell they are. He doesn't know how to get there. He doesn't know how to link up with Ahsoka. If they're back into the galaxy that we know and everybody's fighting Thrawn and Luke's not fighting him at that point, he's not off on on. Uh, a Baktu or whatever the hell he is. What's it called? Octu. A few, but he's not. He's not on. Um, he's not on Octu at, at this point. He's the Luke that we saw at the end of season two. So he'd be there to to throw down. It would not make sense unless they're in the unknown regions for the heir to the empire movie. If we call it that. That he wouldn't be involved unless it was a direct mandate from Kathleen Kennedy. You cannot use him, which would be. I think acknowledging, well, then, you, then you're not paying attention to what's happening in this galaxy. That's what I say. What do you say? 
Do you agree with this stuff that I'm saying? Or do you say, you're full of shit, buddy. It can work without them. And you don't need them. And I hate the title. And I hate you. And I'd say, that's aggressive. But what do you think? Do you think that's, uh, do you like this title? Do you think he should be going this route? Or do you think this is bullshit? You think he's not going to use this title anyway? And you think he's going to just go, oh, very interesting, very interesting. Oh, very interesting. He always says very interesting. Filoni. Every time you ask him a question. Oh, we think that it could be this. Oh, really? Interesting, interesting, interesting. Listen, listen to his interviews. He says it all the time. Interesting, interesting. Um, you know what's interesting? Rumple Blankets and ExpressVPN. I love them both. I love Rumple, man. I'm so glad Rumple's back. We were with them for a little bit, and now they're back again. And I was so excited. I'm going to be honest. I heard they were coming back. I was pumped. I have, their, I have a few of their blankets, and I just love them. They're on a mission to introduce the world to better blankets. They certainly did to me and my family. They're made with durable, sustainable materials, and they're built to last. So Rumpel recycles over 5 million plastic water bottles a year. They are B Corp certified, climate neutral, and donate 1% of all their sales to environmental causes. The original Puffy Blanket is Rumpel's number one bestseller with over 1 million sold. They have over 135 unique designs. There is a blanket for everyone. They are amazing. Rumble blankets aren't just for outdoors. They're perfect for just watching movies on the couch, kicking back in bed, or bringing with you to your local theater. I have one from when I go to my daughter's soccer game, and then I have one that I just kind of snuggle up with my wife when we're watching movies. I love them. Rumple also has a huge selection of indoor styles like their cozy hemp, fleece, and Sherpa blankets. They're perfect for everywhere. You keep on hand in your living room or refresh your bedding. You're going to love them. For our listeners, go to rumple.com slash the big thing and use that code the big thing at checkout. You get 10% off your first order, which is great. Rumple.com slash the big thing. Use that code, man, the big thing. And tell me after you got one. Love Rumble. Oh yeah. Express VPN, baby. Express VPN. Every time you are connecting to an unencrypted network, whether it's a cafe, hotel, airport, any hacker that is on that same network, they can gain access to your personal data just like that. It doesn't take much technical knowledge to hack someone. You just cheap hardware is needed. A 12-year-old, my daughter could do it. Your data is valuable. Hackers can make about $1,000 per person selling personal information on the dark web. Now, the question you're going to use is, why do I need ExpressVPN? Out of all, I can choose anybody. Why am I choosing ExpressVPN? I'm going to tell you, they have an encrypted tunnel. What's that? Well, it creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the Internet. Hackers cannot steal your sensitive data. Is it secure? Well, hell yeah, it is. It's super secure. It would take a hacker with supercomputer over a billion years to get past ExpressVPN's encryption. And it's very easy to use. This is the best. You just fire up the app and you click one button, you get it protected. It works on every device, whether it's a phone, a laptop, tablet, and more. You can stay secure on the go. I love it. It's so simple for me. I just keep it on. My computer, everything. Very easy for me. I don't want, especially with kids, man. I don't want any of that data taken. So easy. It's very important to use. It's very important for me to use. It's very important for you to use. I want to protect my family. You want to protect yourselves. So do it. Use ExpressVPN. Secure your online data today. Visit expressvpn.com slash thing. E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash thing. And you will get an extra three months free. ExpressVPN.com slash thing. All right. Thanks again to our sponsors, ExpressVPN and Rumple. Excited that both of them are back with the show. And we hope that you guys... When you want to help out the show and you want to help yourself, please, we only get sponsors that we think that the audience will enjoy. So please look into both Rumpel ExpressVPN. We appreciate you very, very much. And let's get to this story. I wanted to cover this one because this is interesting to me. There's a new report now. This is, again, from Comic Book Movie, and it says that the Transformers Rise of the Beast tracking points to the movie being another noteworthy box office flop. We finally have some early box office tracking for Transformers Rise of the Beasts, and all signs are pointing to the latest installment of the franchise being another noteworthy flop akin to Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Interesting. June promises to be an interesting month for 
blockbuster movies. Kicking off with Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse before Transformers Rise of the Beast rolls out a week later, then The Flash will follow, and there's a lot of intrigue surrounding how each of these movies is going to perform. Today, over at Box Office Pro, they have shared some early tracking data for the next Transformers at the North American box office, and the first meeting of the Autobots and Maximals in live action currently looks set to underwhelm. While there's been a lot of interest in Rise of the Beast trailers from longtime fans, that might be the only thing that it has going for it. 2018's Bumblebee had legs, grossing $127 million domestically and $468 million worldwide. However, that was down 68% from the franchise's peak with Revenge of the Fallen in 2009, a movie which earned $402 million in North America. However, the site explains the early tracking and pre-sales have put Rise of the Beast in line with Shazam! Fury of the Gods, Morbius, X-Men Dark Phoenix, and Terminator Dark Fate. Wow, that's dubious. That's dubious company to be in, and Paramount Pictures won't be happy with those estimates. 30 million, 40 million opening, and predicted 61 million, 90 million lifetime gross. The next Transformers movie being sandwiched with Spider Man and The Flash obviously isn't helping, and this won't be the fresh start the studio was looking for. It will also mark another noteworthy disappointment for the studio after Dungeons and Dragons underperformed. Did it really? This is a surprising report all the way around for me. Um, Okay, so I'll be honest. Like when when I heard that they were doing Transformers, I thought, and you can even look at my initial trailer reaction, I thought that Michael Bay was directing it, and I said, "Oh man, no, I don't want to see this." I was like, "You still fool me with every trailer for Transformers has looked good. It just you get Michael Bayed." I think that, and this is what some people might say. Well, once you had Michael Bay stop directing it, doesn't they don't do as well? Well, I mean, obviously the the numbers they were the one before Bumblebee, it started to decline. I think the exhaustion of all of the Michael Bay movies hurt Bumblebee, and also not having Transformers in the title. I know Bumblebee still did almost five hundred million dollars, but still, it still hurt Bumblebee of what it could have made had it said Transformers Bumblebee. I think it would have made more money. Part one, part two. I think people were exhausted and thinking it was going to be another Michael Bay movie, and people don't look into the directors. The casual fan does not look into the directors. They just see the movie, and they go, I've had enough. I don't need any more. But yeah, but 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 Michael Bay isn't directing it. It's going to be different. They don't care. To them, they, a, lot of, a lot of times, I hate to tell you, people aren't, they, they, they don't know who directs the movie a lot of the times. We do. We pay attention to it. People don't pay Not everybody pays attention to it. They, they, like you asked a lot of your casual movie fans, who directed some of your favorite movies, they're not going to get it the same way you are. And I'm talking to you because you're watching a show like this, because you care. You care about that type of stuff, and not everybody does. So to them, they don't see Transformers. This one will be different because Michael Bay is... And, 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 and I'm not telling you that everybody feels the way that I do, but there's a lot of people who do. Michael Bay's Transformer movies are pretty much the same. They, they, they look real good. They are great in CGI. The Transformers look amazing. The sound is fantastic. It's loud, but it's empty. And it's gratuitous. And it's slow motion city. And you can tell that they're directed by him. And there's so much going on. And they spend too much. And there's really bad jokes. Right? And I think that that way, like the last, the, what was that one? The Last Night or whatever the frick it was called with the with the freaking Stanley Tucci as Merlin. And oh my God, that was horrendous. And the jokes are just so shit high. Shit high, I say. Um, and um, the Travis Knight one is, the, to me, the best live-action Transformers movie that was made. Now, when I found out Stephen Cable Jr., who directed Creed Two, was directing this, my hopes went up. And I, I'm actually antici- I'm anticipating this one now. I'm excited to see if Transformers can be pretty good. And I, this, is one, this is what I feel is going to happen. I feel like this is going to be a really good movie that, that eats shit. Because the tracking is never that far off. You know, sometimes they'll be off 10, 15 million. But even if it's off 10 or 15 million, that's still putting it in Shazam and Morbius category. Ouch. This is crazy. I, didn't, I, I thought this was one of the ones that people were looking forward to. It does, again, as I was saying in the beginning of this episode, it shows, and not to the same, I guess, the same thing I was, I was actually referring to, but it just shows how much the... the theater going experience has changed because in 
2007, if this movie comes out, it does well. In 2013, it does. I bet you it does well in the summer season. They're not wrong with being sandwiched in between both Spider-Man and The Flash and then Indiana Jones. You know, it's it's not that like it's it's more expensive and it's it, for someone who wants to take their family to see a movie. You've got four movies to choose from. Is it 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 ain't easy to and and just to walk in a park and go, "Yeah, we'll see four movies this this." That that's depending on where you live in the city or in the city living in the world that that is going to cost you a lot let's say for the family of four and you're going to see four movies in the same month that's a hit so you want to make sure it's worth it and you're putting those four movies against each other the flash with michael keaton coming back as batman um that's going to rank up there if you're a big indiana jones fan that's going to rank up there if you loved spider-man as much as everybody else did the across the spider-verse uh, into the Spider-Verse, across the Spider-Verse is going to be up there for you. Transformers is going to rank last. So that's what's happening. It's ranking last with a lot of people. And when those ticket sales go on and people start tracking, those other three movies are going to track heavier and higher than, than these. So it really isn't as surprising as maybe I thought it was, but I don't know. Just I'm just thinking of summer's past, and it's like it didn't really matter. There was always an audience for for one of these movies. Not the case. That's got to be disheartening to someone like Stephen Cable Jr. too, because not the second, also because he gets another big movie in a franchise that he that he gets to do. It's probably going to be pretty good, I would assume. He's a good director, and then you get these tracking numbers. Oh, that's got to be a pain in the ass. And it's not, it's not anything to him. I hope this is a great movie. I really do. I hope it is a great movie because I hope that he gets the love for it in the same way that like Travis Knight got the love for, right? Very, very curious, by the way, on that Dungeons & Dragons thing, though. What, let me see. Dungeons & Dragons. I'm going to go box office mojo here. Let's see. How much did it make? It made, well, shoot. How much did it cost him? What was the budget? Let's, it only made 203 worldwide. That's not great. Dunge- How much did it cost? Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, uh, budget. Let's see. The budget Budget was 150 Didn't do well. That's a shame. That's a good movie. That is a shame. And Paramount, that's a shame. Because especially, especially if Transformers does well, like, excuse me, not does well, but if it is a great movie, if I'm Paramount, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be sad because you're making two good movies in a franchise, and nobody wants to see them. That's got to be disheartening. That that's disheartening. That's disheartening as a, as it 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 does kind of go against my theory that people want to see things other than just comic book movies because if it turns out that the Flash and Spider Man do really well and Indy does okay, I hope Indy does well. Then it's really gonna take that theory and throw it in the shitter. It's it's is comic are comic book movies the only fucking things that can do well? I mean, people with Avatar, Top Gun, horror movies. I know, but I'm just saying, like that this is this will be an interesting take to see. Yeah, man, that that's I'm I'm more bummed that Dungeons and Dragons didn't do better. It's a good movie. I saw that I saw it afterwards. I saw it in the theater. I, I contributed to that uh, to to the box office, but man, what do you guys think? Are you excited to see Transformers, the new one, or are you part of the? I don't give a shit. I'm not going to see it. I, 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 the other three are the ones that I'm going to see. Or are you going to see all four of those movies I told you about that I told you about? You didn't know about them until I told you. I just told you about them, and now you know. If it wasn't for me, you wouldn't know that Michael Keaton was coming back. Yeah, do you think about that? Yeah, that's right. That's what I say. I'm sticking to it. Um, all right. We're going to do a shorter show. It might be a longer show. I don't even know anymore. I can't tell. What is time? Let's do this last one, though, because I want to talk about it. Michael J. Fox says he's at peace with the idea of Back to the Future getting a reboot someday. This comes from Dark Horizons, by the way. The actor has been out promoting his new Apple TV feature documentary, Still, which deals with his battle against Parkinson's disease, which he was diagnosed with in 1991 when he was at age 29. That film premiered on the service on Friday. 
speaking with Variety for a recent cover story on his life and his career. Michael J. Fox is aware that someday someone will probably do a new incarnation of the three Robert Zemeckis directed 1980s films about his character Marty McFly and a time-traveling DeLorean. Fox says, I'm not fanatical. Do what you want. It's your movie. I got paid already. When asked about the possibility, he does, however, advise that whoever is thinking of doing it is probably not a good idea as he doesn't see a point to it. I don't think it needs a reboot. I don't think it needs to be. I think Bob Zemeckis and Bob Gale have been smart about that. I don't think it needs rebooting because are you going to clarify something? You're going to find a better way to tell the story? I doubt it. Asked if he was ever approached about a potential fourth film, Fox said, I'm sure somebody thought about it, but I was in the early stages of Parkinson's at that point, so I don't know that I would have wanted to take that on. Right after part three had done well, there might have been conversations, but I never got involved in them. Bob Zemeckis and Bob Gale have been against remakes or edits to the trilogy in the past. The property, however, has been reimagined as musical. Okay, I, I've always had a stance on this with Back to the Future. Um, so I, I, am, I agree and disagree with, with the great Michael J. Fox, who I love, um, with his comments. His comments of the remake version of it, of what are you going to do? You're going to tell the story better than we did, basically was what he was saying, but in a less arrogant way. Um, I, I agree with you don't remake that story. You don't remake, you don't recast Michael J. Fox. You don't do Marty McFly again. You don't have to. That is something that I don't think should be touched. I don't think it should be remade. I don't think those stories should be remade the same way. I don't think Rocky should ever be remade. Rocky doesn't need to be remade. And I would have said the same thing about like the karate kid. The karate kid was made differently. And I didn't hate that movie. I don't think it was necessary, but I don't think they needed to remake it. I'm actually against full remakes of really good movies. I think remakes should be made of bad movies that had good premises. However, reboots and continuing stories inside of a franchise to further the franchise can work. They have worked. Um, so I don't agree with Michael J. Fox in that aspect where you couldn't find another story with other characters that portrayed to this universe. Somebody else found the DeLorean at another time. It's time travel. There are different things that we've also found out. I actually don't even think that my, that the Marty McFly that we, if you really want to go, you want to make me happy with my time travel nerdiness. Um, I think that Michael J or Marty McFly rather, when he came back in the first one, he was living in a different timeline because none of that would have happened for him in and and all that stuff when he when he came in. He would have been living in a different timeline. The way that that all happened, like it just it didn't make sense. Like the the Things would be different. It, it, I'm geeking out on time. I apologize. However, when you go back to the reboot itself, the reboot, if you, another kid who finds the, um, the DeLorean and finds someone who knows how to use it. Now, putting Doc Brown in it, it while you still have Christopher Lloyd with us, who hopefully will be around another 20, 30, 40 years fingers crossed. Um, he was fantastic in The Mandalorian. I didn't think that Jack Black and, and Lizzo should have been in that episode, but I thought Christopher Lloyd was fantastic. And I'd love to see him back, not even in a full role, someone that maybe can pass down what he learned to another person who understands time. It doesn't have to be another kooky scientist. I mean, a different type of scientist or someone else that can help with the kid himself or whoever it might be. There's this is the shitty version of it, but there's ways that you can do it in a television show, in a movie. There are ways to further it. Now, I'm not telling you that every way and every take and every casting that they come up with would be flawless. It could be a disaster and it could be terrible and it could be cliche casting and it could be casting in general of saying, well, we need to do this. We need to do that. We need to do that. Then, there, then there's the flip side of that, that you can say, wait. This is a great story. This is a great take. This is a great cast. That fits the bill of what we want to do there, and it all makes sense. It's not just trying to cash in on the franchise. It's telling a story that we think will be emotional, it'll be funny, and it'll work. But we've got a kind of very similar to Cobra Kai, right? The first season of Cobra Kai, when, as I mentioned, Karate Kid, it was taken from a place of love. Most people, including myself, thought, don't do that. Don't don't and I and I love those guys, the uh, Hayden and and John and, and Josh. I love those guys, but when I heard it, I'm like, don't don't make that show. It's gonna be you're gonna turn it into a freaking funnier die 
show. And they didn't. They treated it with love. They treated it with care. They treated it the same way a lot of us would treat Star Wars if we, we had that kind of, those kind of skills and, and, and doing that, or, or Marvel or DC or, or whatever it might be. And that's what they did with Cobra Kai. So to say that it couldn't work and you couldn't do it in general, I don't agree with it because there's someone out there that can make it work. It doesn't mean that it will work. It just means that there's someone out there that can do it and if the story's right, it can happen. People will be skeptical right away, the same way they were skeptical with Cobra Kai, the same way they were skeptical with casting of, of Heath Ledger or Michael Keaton. People will always be skeptical because it's a thing that you love that didn't need to be touched inside of your mind, so you thought. If the story is there, it can work. So I don't agree with that. I think with time travel, um, you can make that some kid coming across the DeLorean, finding the DeLorean, or somebody else finding the DeLorean and going back in time to, to see what they can do and discovering it. It absolutely can work the same way that apparently I didn't watch it, but I heard the new Quantum Leap works, and that's a reboot. That's not a that's not a that's not a uh, remake. It's a it's a reboot. And from what people say, people really liked it. Um, so remaking, I don't. And people are saying Tom Holland, Tom Holland is Marty McFly. To me, that's unnecessary. And you probably would, and Michael J. Fox is correct where you're not going to be able to remake the better version of it. And maybe that's ultimately what he meant. Maybe he meant just a full-on remake, and if someone then followed the question of, well, what if you know, you, they did like a continuation where somebody else found the DeLorean and did that? Would you, you don't think that could work either? Who knows what his thoughts would be there? I don't know. Maybe they did ask him that. But I think people sometimes automatically, when they hear reboot, they think, oh, do it all over again, recast, get somebody else's Michael, as, uh, as uh, Marty, get somebody else's Doc Brown. And if that's only what he was referring to, then I agree with him 100%. What do you think? Do you think that, no thank you, no reboot, never touch it, we don't need a movie, we don't need a, uh, we don't need a television show, we don't need another DeLorean, the three movies are fine the way they are, and that's all I need from Back to the Future ever? Or are you like me? Do you say, no, you, you can make it work, but you got to find the right take? Really want to know your thoughts, guys. Let me know. Um, all right, that's it. I think that's it for today. Sorry for getting the, the show out late. I know I said I was going to try to get out in the morning, and a lot kind of come up today that I was trying to catch up on. So I'm trying to piece it all together and hopefully you got this episode, you're watching it, you're liking it. Let me know. Let me know also if you're brand new to the show. I'm trying to get a lot of people, new people that I try to comment back to, talk to, get you more involved. If you're brand new, again, giving you a breakdown. Sometimes I do these solo episodes, but a lot of times, especially on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, I'm, on Wednesday I'm joined by Steph Sabra and Mike Kalinowski. On Thursday, I'm joined by Roxy Stryer and Brett Sheridan. And then on Friday, I'm joined by Winston A. Marshall and Coy Jandro. So that is usually the schedule. And on Monday, a lot of times, like a lot of my special guests will drop, like when we had Katie Sackoff and Freddie Prince Jr. and just Catherine McNamara. Um, we had Krista Miller on recently. Um, so many great guests, uh, Cleopatra Coleman, uh, Katie O'Brien. We had a lot of great guests that usually pop on sometimes on that Monday episode. So we hope that you dive through the archives and check it out. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. And once again, do me a favor. If you're in the East Coast area, buy that ticket today because we, if I, I don't want to cancel these shows, but I just uh, financially, it doesn't make sense for us to go if, if we're only going to perform in front of a handful of people. And I get it. You don't want to go see the show. You don't want to see the show. I'm not forcing anybody to do it. I'm just saying if you want to see us, buy your ticket today, uh, especially for this one, because this I don't want to because the New York Comedy Club is being so great to us. They're new location at Stanford. I don't want to book out a show that they could be booking a bigger show out and, and making some cash for. So uh, right now, and I, love, I really want to do a show with Martin and Corey, but um, at the moment we've sold like 20 tickets. I'm just going to be up front with you. And, 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 there's, and it seats like 200 or 250. So um, we're trying to get this thing sold out. And if you can do it, you want to buy the tickets, get the tickets today, come see us. And if not, totally get it. Totally understand. No pressure on anybody. I just think that we're probably going to do these uh, the after party shows where we'll have everybody in here and do some streaming. And as the show grows, it might have been I might have been a little um, ambitious with trying to do live shows right away because we've just hit seventy seven thousand subscribers on the channel in, in the course of about a little over a year and a half, which I'm very proud of. But I think that we still need to build a little bit more before we take the show on the road. That's what it's proved to me because I don't want to like have to fight for sold out crowds. I think eventually as we build up the show and more people are trying to figure out who we are because if you're a brand new subscriber. And you live in New York, and you don't know who the fuck I am. You just you just 
said, oh, I like this guy reacting to the Evil Dead thing. So I subscribed, and then I watched him do this, and I checked it out. But I don't want to go watch I don't, I don't know anything about him. I'm going to go watch him and do a live show. You haven't spent enough time with me. You haven't spent enough time with my crew. So I have to, I have to realize that. It's like things you have to learn as you listen to the audience, and um, that's what I'm learning. But once again, if you're able to, get those tickets, because I don't want to cancel the Manhattan show. I really don't want to. But again, we've got to get those tickets sold. So hopefully you do it. We'll see you. We'll see you soon. Um, and if you haven't already done it, hit that button. Help us get to 100K. We're getting. Uh, we're getting there. Thank you guys. Thank you to Carbon Health today. Thank you to Rumple. Thank you to ExpressVPN, and of course the Great Athletic Greens. So I appreciate you guys joining me on the show today. Check us out on Spotify. Check our shirts out at T Public and all that and more. You guys are the best. And we'll see you on the flip side. Thank you for joining us on the big thing. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.